0: I just love my wife. I'm sorry. She's a great gal. Well, we tried to finish up last week, but what happened? Do you remember what happened? Like towards the end of the service, and what did God? What did God want to reveal to you guys? Does anybody remember? No takers. He wanted to reveal about righteousness. Remember. And so we ended and we started talking about righteousness and what righteousness is. What does that mean? And how does it set us free, right? That like righteousness is such a beautiful, incredible gift. So, so I think we talk a lot about this, but anybody sinned? Anybody sinner? Anybody fall short of the glory of God from time to time? And so we need God's grace, right? So Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of our sins, both all past, present, and future.
1: But that doesn't help
0: us, right? Like you stumble and you struggle with these things, and it's just, oh, Lord, am I ever going to be good enough? When am I going to measure up? Anybody? Like, this is a great question, because belief systems, belief systems, unfortunately, drive what we believe about our own values. When our value is found in the Father. So God, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive His righteousness. And so God sees us as spotless as Jesus. That's hard to believe, isn't it. But Lord, I can't live up to that reputation. Because I do can but I can't. You see, God's love is so beautiful, it's so perfect, and when God looks at those who call out of Jesus as their Lord, when God looks upon us, He sees us in right standing. We are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. So what is it? What's the belief systems that you've been carrying with you for so many years So many years, can you remember back where they came from, like when you first heard somebody call you stupid, and now for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, you've been calling yourself stupid, or thinking yourself unable to be of any intelligence. Well, what you've done is, the enemy has now created that belief system to be your ceiling, Jesus came and squashed the ceiling, he shattered it. He shattered it so that when you look at yourself, you can see yourself with a a heavenly host of possibilities. (laughs) Just a ton of beautiful and incredible gifts from God. But see, we have to get our thinking, our belief system in line with the Father. Because Christ and the Father are So that posture of gratitude is going to carry out into everything into our lives. It's hard though sometimes, amen. It? it gets to be a struggle, and that's why the body of Christ needs to be the body of Christ. And we're going to study that today in James, and we started studying this stuff last week, right? So we ended up we are going through Ephesians, the the uh, the armor of God, putting it on. Because it's important, how do you protect yourself from somebody who knows who you used to be, like maybe even yesterday, but today you're trying to change? How do you combat the lies and the stories that are being told today? Is anybody the exact same as they were yesterday? Or do you realize that you're waking up and God's mercies are doing each and every day? Because every day we just get up. It's a little bit more of his blessing, but the world's going to try to knock you down. I remember after my first year it crushed me. I was mad. I dreaded to go to a town and do stupid things because they said the rumor was that Fred was caught getting drunk in one of the bars in the town that I up in. And I remember being so mad because I worked so hard. I gave up everything to follow God and now he's are trying to ruin my reputation and tell me that I'm getting drunk again. Well, why would you bother me? Do I know who I am? Do I know that I was sober? Do I know that I was doing the right things, the best that I could? Then I should have learned, and I have since, to get there. Well, when somebody comes against my character, it's still a little bit tough, because they'll put in a lot of work. Not as much Jesus, I have never been on that cross, nor have I been beaten almost to death, and had my flesh ripped off. And so now God tells me that I don't have to. You see, because I'm walking forward, I'm walking towards God, The enemy's going to come to me. Right? And so God gives me this armor. So stand there for, having fastened on the belt of truth. What's truth? What's the truth? The Word of God. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, why does that mean so much? Why does righteousness mean so much to us? Because what does the enemy try to do? He tries to tell you of your old character when God is telling you, you are not that, you are my beloved. You see the difference? Like, yeah, I used to be this, but now I'm this. And so now I spend the rest of my life just working with God hand in hand to become The man that God called me to be. But I'm not going to do it if I lose that righteousness and that understanding of who God made me to be. I'm always going to be over here, and I can't move forward if I'm stuck in the mud over here. Like, this is hopeless. Hopeless. This is hopeful. And when you're living in hopelessness, which we see across America, another man died the other night of a drug overdose, right here in town. Right? And it's just, it's horrifying to me to think about all the people stuck in addiction today. But when your addiction, when your addiction is the way that you define yourself, this is who you are, because you're not worthy of anything better, then how are you ever going to live up to anything but hopelessness? You look you look, and do the research on communities that are poverty stricken. Welfare, they say, is supposed to be laid out by Paul, but it's not. Because it sticks you in a place and it gives you a false belief. We grew up on welfare. and the end, we tried to tell me that I would never be anything. Nothing. And I got a stepdad who beat the living car out of me and got off the welfare and I was still told out of me nothing. And it took God at the age of 34 years old to begin to tell me that I was worth something. I lived my life to be dead by 30. That was my goal and my plan. And I failed at it. So I can't even do this right. But God brought me over here and he showed me hopeful, to live a life of dreams. So I'm going to walk with that. I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe the righteousness of God and I'm going to carry that because this is the torch that I'm carrying. This is the breastplate that protects my heart from the attacks of the enemy who want to tell me that I'm back. When really, I am a warrior. The battle's been won, but I'm a warrior and I have this breastplate of righteousness on me. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness, given by the gospel of peace, the peace of your life, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. How many darts of the evil one? How many darts? All. So does that mean five or twelve? Or all of them? The faith righteousness with this armor of God and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints that means that we pray for each other and it says to pray even for your enemies But how many of us do that? How many take a personal stand for those who stand against us? And we say, Satan, get away. Get away from these people. For remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spirits spirits of darkness and principalities. So when we see people acting a fool towards us and treating us horribly, what do we do? How do we stand? We recognize that it's not the person, but that familiar the one that maybe has gone with them as did for me for so many years, and we cast love and peace to people, even when they stand against us, because that's a faith that actually changes lives. There are people in this room, myself included, that grew up with a false belief system, and I needed somebody when I attempted suicide. 2004. Four days later, when I got out of the hospital, two days after I got out of the hospital, when we came to sit right in the brain for years, you're going to church. And what you don't, maybe don't understand is I absolutely hated God. So when I read a story about a man named Saul who became a man named Paul, who became one of the greatest evangelists and the greatest writers in the Bible arguably, and I could put my life in there, I realized that maybe something in these scriptures something in there was for me. That I wasn't the first and I won't be the last. That God could take even a fool like me, show him love, give him hope and peace, give him a future. And I changed. God changed me from my heart out. We can do that for our enemies. So we pray, because the prayers of the righteous avail much. So back into James. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And the prayers of faith. If you come on Saturday nights, you've been going over faith for five weeks. Because there's a lot on faith. Was it up here that I told the story about the, uh, the rain, rain jackets with the umbrellas? Or was it downstairs? Yes. So a prayer of faith. So there was a drought down south, right? It's a predominantly black church. And, and it, they, they gathered together for this prayer service. And the, the pastor said, you know, we're gathered here to pray for rain, but I don't see any umbrellas. Does that make sense? What are you praying for? And are you prepared in your heart? Do you believe that God can do what he says he can do? Do you believe that God will do what he says he will do? Right? And the prayers of faith will, not might, will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. What's the mission of Torn? We are to be the conduit of the gospel to the least, the last, the lost, and the lonely. We have a community here who needs to know the love of Jesus Christ badly, badly, desperately, needs to know. Like I'm an idealist, and so when God says that we can do that, I believe with everything that I am that God can and will do that. And He chooses to use His people. So how do we how do we pray for our law enforcement? How do we pray for our firefighters? How do we pray for our first responders? How do we pray for those afflicted with drugs and alcohol dependencies? How do we do that? How do we help and pray for the mentally unstable and incapable? How do we do that? Or do we just say, yep, they're a mess. They have to it done. Something somewhere has to change, brother. And it's found in the Word of God. That's why I always pray on everybody to know your Bible, and what is he saying? Because if we want to live over here in hopelessness, then we'll just watch as people fall off. fentanyl and Huron just taking people down left and right. Children being trafficked through this city. I don't want that. I don't want that. I believe, I believe with all that I am, that the then, that you, when you're empowered with the armor of God, can move forth and love people and bring something different. You can't just come to church on Sunday morning. It has to be different. So when we do the King's Table in two weeks, how is it that we're not there? This is an opportunity to love our community. They don't seem torn. All they see is a bunch of people out there loving Whoever comes in. What's the mission of and Why does it matter? We must become a house of prayer. Prayers of faith and not just words. Amen. There's not a lot of sense wasting your breath on stuff that you don't believe. How many of you guys have ever had to yell at your kid and you know they ain't listening and you just keep on going? You get so tired and tired of talking it's like, <clears throat> Fact of the matter if you probably put his lifetime about five minutes ago and just as far ahead. Right? In the heat of anger and you're yelling and screaming, or you're upset and you're talking, your your speech is elevated, how many times do we actually stop and afraid? What? Give me peace before I kill this child. Right? I know my But how do we do that? Can we be a church that wears or brings umbrellas? James 5 16, therefore, confess your sins one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is worthy. Pray. Remember last week, and you had it, the last week you had the assignment how many times it said, pray So pray for one another. How about to confess your sins? Are we in a relationship enough that we can talk about our sins? Some of us are, some of us aren't. Let's talk. What if, what if we actually became a safe place where people can come and they're not judged, but they're loved. They're helped through their problems, right? Like we recognize, we become a church that recognizes that people are stuck in hopelessness. We're stuck here. Nothing's going to change for them. They're going to keep operating in that. What happens if we don't put a timeline on it? Like, oh, you have got to get ready in six months, or we can't do this for you anymore. What would happen? How would that begin to change the community? How would that change if we actually started loving people, and receiving people instead of judging people, and praying for people? Uh, like, you can observe. Somebody needs help without judging and talking about why they are the way they are. Because you don't know. One of the first things I heard in sobriety was, Don't judge me where I'm at because you don't know where I've been. And so a lot of people struggle with hopelessness. You don't know where they've been. You don't know what got them there. Right? Maybe they just need to be loved ones. And maybe that's what God's calling us to do. How different would that be from the way we do things? So there's a commentary here, and it says, it is clear that it is by no means always God's will to heal those who are ill. So this is kind of neat, this is one of those little sidebars that I wanted to track off on because people stop praying for people for healing when they don't see people being healed. Hey Kim, is God healed? Robert, does God heal? No? Does God heal? But it doesn't heal everybody. Therefore, the faith that is the indispensable condition for our prayer for healing to be answered, this faith being the gift of God can be truly present only when it is God's will to heal. So who heals? What's our part? Prayer, right? So we pray with faith. I'm bringing my rain jacket, even if I look like an idiot. I don't care. Well, why are you bringing a rain jacket? Well, because God told me to pray for rain. So I'm going to expect it to look like rain. There was a man named Elijah back in the Old Testament. And if you remember his story, he prayed for what? For the rain to dry up, and guess what happened? rain dried right up. Then he prayed for what? Three years later. Prayed for the rain. What happened? The rain came. God sent him on mission after mission after mission where he could look like a fool but he went and did it. He walked in obedience. Are we afraid of walking around with our rain jackets on? Are we going to become the body of believers that actually walks around with our rain clothes praying for people? You no, know, I'm not saying God tells you to pray for him. You. you better prepare for rain. It makes, it makes a difference. So 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 8. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in my flesh. A messenger of Satan harassed me to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should lead but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is being perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Y'all got some faith like that? How about you, men? How proud are you when you when uh, you are exposed in your weakness? This is a struggle for me, I'll tell you. It is a struggle for me. I struggle. I struggle with failure. I still struggle with failure. If I screw something up, I know the words, but I gotta work diligently to allow God to work in me so that the failures don't define me still to this day. So my faith in God has to be so great that it overcomes the weaknesses, the failings, all those things so that my definition is as Christ. A faithful follower, a blood-bought follower of Jesus Christ. That's important so that no matter what, remember we were talking about that breastplate of righteousness, that that is my definition, that righteousness, not my failings. Not my shortcomings. None of that. So Paul has this thorn in his side. Nobody knows what it is. But it's a messenger from Satan. Something that he cannot ignore. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamity. Are you going to look like a fool to the world to represent the most beautiful gift you've ever got? It didn't take me long as a kid growing up on welfare to recognize that the plastic Kmart shoes were not as cool as I thought they were the first few times. Right? So we didn't have much money. Mom would buy us new shoes, but they were the plastic ones from Kmart, and they would break in a matter of School, everybody, you know, because kids have been heartfelt and kind and compassionate forever, right? Kids will never pick on, pick on you, and so all of a sudden your shoes are broken. What do you think they did? It didn't take me long to be ungrateful for that. We were the family that remember when Levi's were cool before there were these stretchy things. And they would go from blue, and then they would start to fade and then they would turn almost like a a tan and look pretty grubby. One of the rich kids in school decided to harass me in the middle of the hallway and called me broke and a bunch of other names that my family wasn't worth anything because I had on dirty pants. Why don't you just go wash your pants? I was like, well because I can't afford to buy them every day, we actually have to wear them until they fade out this is part of the process, but I remember just being crushed. I looked at my truck out back, it's rusty. I don't care. I do not care. I can get all up in my business, and I can say, well, honey, we need to buy a new truck. It's doesn't look like no pastor and anything to represent, right? Right, honey? No, doing that. we're fine. I love what What are the things that are driving you in this world? And what are you willing to allow the world to, to see? And why does stuff matter? Why does stuff define us? Is that from God or is that from the enemy? Right, and I'm not saying that God doesn't give us gifts, and I'm not saying that God doesn't bless us. But too often we put things in front of God. And so we won't take the hardships, we won't take the insults, we won't take the persecutions. Back to James. So here's where he talked about Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What does that mean? With a nature like ours. What is our nature? human. (laughs) And he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings them back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from the wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. many people started out in the church and then they walk away from the church. And as they get older, that feeling of guilt, that feeling of non-acceptance comes into play and it becomes almost this wall where, the I need to go back to that place. And they, they carry that scar tissue from when they left, all the way along with them, all the way coming up and they use that as an excuse for the church judgment judgmental. The church is this. I don't fit in the church. I, I, I don't, don't, don't. How does that feel when you think about anybody who would not feel comfortable coming to the church? Why is it that people don't feel comfortable in the church? Why are we not an instrument of God's love and His peace? Why are we not? how much I love you. Like, yeah, come on, you're, you're good. Yeah, we know that. Like, yeah, I know you've got issues. Who cares? Why are we not welcoming? Why are we not, not more inviting? Why do we take excuses that are clearly from the enemy and why do we accept those? I tried church when I was younger. You In that development of the community that is actually loving, compassionate, understanding, empathetic towards the others, towards the least the last the lost and the lonely. Right? Somebody comes in here stinking the high heaven, beard unkept, hair all over the place, pulls into shambles. What do we do? Right. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah, you can sit back there on the tile. Right? Because if your funk gets on our carpet, we'll have. told you the story about the pastor, but what happens when we actually do what we do? What happens when we partner with law enforcement here in town? What happens when we partner with the homeless shelter here in town? What happens when we partner with all these people who deal with the least, the last, the lost, and on a regular basis? What happens when we partner with them? And we have a place, we start to become an answer the questions that get thrown at them each and every day. Now the way I can't, I can't arrest this person one more time. I can't do this to this person one more time. I can't, I can't, I can't do this to these people anymore. Right? It is up to the church. It is up to the church to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. To love people so much, to encourage people so much. But are we doing it? Are we taking the time to say a prayer? God, we do that a few times recently in the last week or so. More. absolutely incredible to pray for somebody. To pray for people.
1: To actually listen to
0: people. To actually care. To get outside of myself. To get into the character of Jesus Christ and be the hands and feet. To be the conduit to the release the last the lost of all. Tarn, I've said it from the beginning, that we once were not saved by grace, just a merry band of misfit toys. And I love it that we come from all different groups, all different whatever, and just getting along and loving each other, trying harder. Because I'm not perfect, and if you hold me up to perfect, I'm going to fail. If I hold you up to perfect, you're going to fail. So why don't I hold you up to God's love? see how you come out of that so Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for your peace. We thank you, Father God, for all that you are. You are incredible. You are your light. your love. You are hope. So, Father, would you just pour out this anointing on this congregation bless us all. Father, we might become your hands and feet. you, Give you the word, Lord, Lord.